Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. On this week's show, we have a jam-packed episode, so we hope you enjoy it. So sit back, relax, grab a cold beverage, and let's talk everything there is to know in Louisiana outdoors. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is also brought to you by SRD20 Boat Products. It shouldn't be hard work. SRD20 products use advanced nanotechnologies in its formulations, explicitly designed for boat maintenance. From boat waxes for detailing to waterless washing wax products, SRD20 has boat care products that keep your boat protected from the elements and looking brand new. Visit them online at www.srd20.com and enter promo code LASTSTOP for 20% off all SRD20 products today. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is also brought to you by Blind Grass Camouflage Systems. Welcome to the most realistic, durable, and versatile camouflage system available. Tired of constantly having to rebrush your blinds? The smell of rotting grass in your blind? Or grass that pokes and cuts? Or grass mats that have no depth in color and don't last throughout a season? No more cutting brush. Our patent pending blind grass will not rot or mildew and is 100% waterproof. It's available in mats or bundles for any application, whether you have a permanent blind, a boat blind, or a small layout blind. And it comes in natural dead grass colors and is paintable to match your unique surroundings. You can visit us on the web at www.blindgrass.com to place your order today. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. I'm your host, Jacob Robry, and guys, I'm glad to have you with us tonight. I'm excited to be back in the studio. As you guys can see, we are here in the studio. We have a little bit of waterfowl hunting playing behind us on the new uh, LED screen we got set up. So if you're watching us on YouTube or any of our social media platforms, you might be streaming this through video. We hope you enjoy that, guys. That's just a little added feature that we added for this new season uh, here on the podcast. But most importantly, I hope all of you made it through Mardi Gras, if you, especially from Louisiana, South Louisiana. Uh, Mardi Gras just wrapped up yesterday here in the state. And for those of us who are, are natives to South Louisiana um, and, and, you know, all the Acadiana area, all the down south, my boys in Homa, Thibodeau, and, of course, New Orleans, which is famous for Mardi Gras. I hope you survived it and everybody is doing okay tonight. Um, but thank you so much, like I mentioned, for tuning in to another episode with us here at Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors, guys. We have some stuff to talk about tonight that, uh, that kind of is just one of those topics that I want to I delve into tonight that is uh, something that I find interesting. Uh, and it has to kind of do with my profession um, those of you who know me know that I'm in the marine business. I've mentioned that several times on, you know, previous episodes of the podcast. I've been in the marine business now for quite some time, and uh, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on what goes on in the boating industry. And, you know, with us being outdoorsmen, boating is a huge part of all of our lives, whether we're hunters, whether we're, we decide to fish, or whether you may have a job that requires a boat to do your job. Uh, you know, that is, you know, something that's a major part of what we all partake in is boating, uh, no matter what we do in the outdoors. So I want to kind of touch on a subject tonight, guys, um, specifically with mud boats. You know, mud boats came on the scene years back. Um, you know, the late 70s is when you started seeing uh, some of the first, the first, um, you know, let me say mud motors, not necessarily mud boat packages. But some of the first mud motors on the market, um, you know, Go Devil Manufacturing, which is based right here in Louisiana, was kind of the, the pioneer, I guess you could say, here in the United States for the first mud motors that hit the U.S. market um, that became well-known and kind of, you know, had other companies spawn off of ideas that they had came up with and, you know, uh, kind of built their companies upon the original old long-tail Go Devils, you know. And uh, through the years, there's been vast improvements in the mud motor market. And then it eventually transitioned into 
selling the total package. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight on this this new episode. It's kind of, you know, we know where it all came from, but where are we now in the year 2023 now as far as the mud motor market goes and what my thoughts are on that as far as becoming, is it a, is it a situation where mud boats are now becoming multidimensional, meaning that they're not only used for hunting purposes, but they're also used for fishing purposes and much, much more on top of that. Like we talked about, it could be work related. Uh, it could be, you know, just other, any activity that you want to get to in the outdoors. And me being in the boating industry, I sell mud boats. I sell mud motors. Um, you know, that's something that I deal with customers on a daily basis. And, you know, with the economy that we're in now, guys, with things, Every time it seems like you turn on the news and they're talking about the economy, it seems like things are kind of getting worse and worse. Uh, but, you know, there is some bright spots in the market. Not all markets have really skyrocketed. And, you know, the mud motor market is one of those. Yes, prices have been elevated, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, but not to the extent that we see in some of the areas, other areas of the boating market and other areas of the market, such as vehicles and, and stuff like that. So tonight, what I want to kind of, you know, delve into is basically, is a mud motor or a mud boat setup the best choice possibly for you and your family? And that's really just an open-ended question, to be honest with you guys. It's, it's, it's an open-ended question. It's a question that probably does not have a, a right or wrong answer to it. And I would tell a customer, uh, you know, walking into my dealership, I've had that question asked to me as a salesman, you know, and I'll tell a customer, it really depends on what your needs are. Um, it depends on, you know, whether or not you have a family that's involved uh, in, in the boat buying situation, or are you just a, a single guy who's maybe getting his first boat? He likes to hunt, likes to fish. He likes to go out there and, uh, and you know, cut up and, and have a good time, maybe take a frogging trip something like that. So the answer to that question, like I said, there's really not a right or wrong answer to that, that particular question. But I do have an opinion that I see kind of the market trending towards that's kind of forcing you one way instead of the other. And what I mean by that, guys, and, and, and many of you will get this because you've been a part of this situation, is that for many, many years, you know, if you enjoyed fishing, you enjoyed hunting, frogging, that type of stuff. Uh, you know, maybe you were a duck hunter and you had a setup that was designed for duck hunting specifics. And then you had a fishing rig also that was designed for you to do, you know, all your summer fishing once hunting season was over. Well, like me, many of us were in the situation where we ended up having two boats, two boat setups. In some cases, I know guys that have even more than that. Some guys had a tiller handle with a flat boat. Then they had a duck boat, you know, with a surface drive on it. And then on top of that, they had a bass boat. And then some guys would even have a, a, a small, inexpensive center console boat to take down to maybe the saltwater marshes. So in some scenarios, customers that walk into a dealership like ours, they'll tell me, hey, I have four or five boats for different applications. I had a guy just this week that came into shop and he was saying, hey, you know, he says, man, uh, he says, I really need a boat like a hole in my head. He says, because I have five different setups for boats. And uh, he says, but I've been having a little tiller handle flat boat. He says uh, for years. And he said, it's a little riveted model flat boat, uh, which nowadays riveted boats are really not the, the end thing. You know, most guys that are buying what they call a flat boat now is looking for an all welded hull. Something that, you know, is durable. It's a little bit tougher built. Um, kind of like a four-wheel drive of, of a boat, you know. That's what they're looking for. And these boat companies now, you know, even including the custom-built companies, they're really pushing heavier duty, thicker aluminum, more durable. We're going to build you a boat that's going to last you a lifetime if you are to keep that boat for a lifetime, you know. So that's kind of the, the big push in the market as far as the marketing side of it goes. That's what they're they're gearing, you know, consumers towards trying to push a buyer into to seeing the benefits of a better built boat that's going to last you longer. Yes, it may cost you a little bit more up front, 
But in the long run, it's going to be a nicer return on your investment is what it is, you know? Excuse me, guys, while I take a sip of my drink. Um, but my question is, is, you know, is it possible that a mud boat is the one-all solution for consumers in today's market, specifically 2023, as we sit here in 2023, we're now mid-February, um, and I'm seeing a trend, guys. I'm seeing a trend. The question that I'm asking is because I see a shift in the market with consumers that are looking to go with a one-all setup for their hunting needs, their fishing needs, and all their outdoor activity needs. You know, down here in Louisiana, we're, we're known as sportsman's paradise, guys. You'll hear that term thrown around when you hear Louisiana. Those of you who are not from Louisiana that's come down to Louisiana to either take fishing trips uh, or do some hunting, whether it's deer hunting, duck hunting, whatever it may be, uh, you quickly realize that being from Louisiana, we have access at our fingertips as residents to all kind of outdoor activities, including the ones that I just mentioned, you know? And, you know, like I mentioned for years, as residents of the state, we have multiple setups. But what I'm seeing now, guys, and what I think is a big part of what is going on currently is the, the way that the market is right now as far as financial market, I'm talking about specifically there. Uh, you know, things are not you know, trending in an upper direction, people are not making more money to adjust to the cost of groceries and everyday living, stuff like that, you know. Uh, so what I what I do see, and I see it, like I mentioned, in our dealership, I've been seeing this now for several months, is we had a big boom over the last couple of years when the pandemic hit with COVID-19. When that all hit, everybody started pushing outdoors. We talked about that in a previous episode, they started pushing outdoors. Everybody got into outdoor recreational stuff because they didn't want to be locked down in their homes. They didn't want to, uh, you know, have to stay inside their house and not be able to do stuff. And they had to keep their peace of mind. So they went out, they bought recreational stuff such as boats. They bought campers. They got back into camping. Look at camping as an example. Look how much the camping industry has boomed again over the last couple of years since the pandemic hit. Now you see these million-dollar campgrounds coming up everywhere. People have got back into camping. They're doing that. Well, it was much of the same on the boating side. So people went out, bought boats, you know, stuff that they necessarily didn't know would be a long-term solution for them, but they wanted to get their family outdoors. They wanted to go outside and uh, get out, like I talked about, and do some stuff and enjoy some time out with their families. They went out, bought boats. Well, now what I'm seeing is a lot of people who were maybe first-time boat owners that got into boating. Now, if they decided that they like it, they're looking to kind of maybe get out of that, that first buy that they, 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 they did a couple of years ago when they bought their first boat, and they're looking to maybe get into something else. The problem that they're running into now as the consumer that we're, we're all running into is that if you're in that situation, you're realizing that the prices have skyrocketed so much that it's almost not affordable in some cases to be able to get that next big boat that you may want. Or what I see a lot of times is the great the great debate, I call it, whenever a, a couple walks into our dealership. A couple walks into the dealership, the wife or the girlfriend, she wants a, a certain style boat, maybe a pontoon boat, maybe a runabout boat, because she wants... She's thinking fun in the sun. I'm going to put on my bikini. I'm going to go out there. Uh, my bathing suit, I'm going to I'm gonna sun. I'm going to tan. Uh, we're going to take the kids tubing. We're going to do that kind of stuff. When all the meanwhile, I'm looking at the, the husband or the boyfriend, and he's thinking, man, I'm going to – I want to go duck hunting. I want to go fishing. I want to go, you know, crabbing. I want to go frogging. So I can't really do that with what she wants. So they may have settled. That's my point, I guess you could say, is whenever this – pandemic craze hit they may have settled for a boat well now like i mentioned they're looking to kind of move into something else now uh, and they're finding out that the prices have elevated quite a bit and uh and they're trying to make the best buying decision that they can for a boat that fits all of their needs and, and 
Where a mud boat possibly comes into that situation is nowadays with the mud boat sets setups we have. We have you know eighteen footers. You have twenty footers now. Uh, Forty horses, which are the biggest mud motors that you could put on the back of these boats nowadays. But to combat just having a forty horsepower on them, now these mud boat companies are building larger hulls, and they're starting to put dual rigs on them now, guys. And and you seeing them out there, you seeing guys. Maybe you are a, a consumer that purchased one because you wanted more horsepower. You wanted a, a one-all, do-everything type of boat uh, without sacrificing necessarily speed. Um, you know, to the point where you could go down to one hull. One setup, you could have it for duck season. You could have it for deer hunting. You could have it for whatever you wanted to do. And then in the springtime, come back around, and you can use it to take it down to the saltwater marshes. You could take it bass fishing. You could do all that stuff that you had that you you know before had to have multiple setups, like we talked about. So, you know, with that being said, I'm seeing a trend in people coming into the dealerships now. And they're kind of looking and saying, hey, you know what? That mud boat package you got, man, that thing's pretty attractive to me because the price isn't as high as what they're seeing on some of the quote-unquote traditional fishing setups. You know, you walk into a dealership right now and you look at a fiberglass bass boat, guys, and, and I can tell you, you know, because I, I see it every day. I mean, it's, it's pretty intimidating right now in the market, and it has been for quite some time. Because when you walk into to a dealership now like ours or any other dealership across the United States and you see a price tag on a fiberglass bass boat that's $100,000, well, guess what? The average Joe like you or me can't afford a $100,000 fiberglass bass boat to, to go fishing. And not that there's not a market for those boats in the market, not an area for those boats in the market, I should say. Because there is, because there are guys now that are making careers out of professional bass fishing, out of guiding professionally. And guys like that, that is a major tool to their business. And that's what they are. They are businessmen. When you see these professional fishermen on the Bassmaster Elite Series and the, and the uh, Bass Pro Tour, the uh, Major League Fishing Circuit, these guys are professional, uh, professional businessmen in their areas of expertise which just happens to be fishing. So I, I hear customers badmouth them, you know, badmouth that part of the market. They'll walk in and they'll say, oh, you got to be out your mind, $100,000 for that. Uh, well, you know, sir, that may not be a fit for you for what your needs, which is mostly most of the time the case. But there is a consumer in the market and enough of them, obviously, for these boat building manufacturers to produce these, these high dollar boats and be able to turn around and sell them. Because trust me, guys, if they were not selling these setups, they would not be manufacturing and spending the money not to move these boats, especially as much labor intensive as they are nowadays and all that type of stuff, the equipment and the cost of making these things. So, you know, that there, you know, there, there is a place in the market. That's my point there, but that's not uh, the, 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 the setup for everybody. That's not what everybody's looking for. So at that point, where do you go from there? Well, you start stepping down in price points. You know, you, you start looking possibly at aluminum boats. And where aluminum boats come into the market is, you know, the big thing on aluminum boats for years, guys, uh, and I'm talking traditional aluminum fishing boats when I say this, is that traditionally you've had, you know, you know brands like Bass Tracker, G3, uh, you know, there's a million different companies on the market, but Bass Tracker is one of the oldest brands on the market. Uh, they've been around. They were some of the first, you know, ones that started making a fabricated boat that was designed to be packaged with a boat and a, or, or a motor and a trailer and sold as a package. So, you know, your traditional fishing boats, that's the step down from a fiberglass boat usually. And the advantages to going, you know, aluminum, there's a lot of advantages to it because for years they've been, everybody knows that they've been more durable than fiberglass. So if you are the type of guy who doesn't want to, you know, come home from fishing and wash and wax your boat and then, you know, have to go out there and, you know, maintain it and spray, you know, you know, stuff that maintains the boat and the look of the boat and the integrity of the boat, then 
that's not for you. You know, then a fiberglass boat is not for you. But an aluminum boat is. You could take it fishing. You could take it hunting. Come back, pull into the driveway, put it in the shed. Hell, leave it outdoors to the elements. Let the elements take care of it. And you didn't have to baby it. That was my point, you know. So you look at the, the traditional boat setup, and, yeah, it's a great thing because it's low maintenance, typically lower cost on them. Uh, that was always the biggest points, selling points to aluminum boats, going to aluminum boats. Less maintenance, better cost, you know, more cost efficient. Um, that was the big selling points. Well, now in 2023, guys, you look at some of the prices of these aluminum boats. You look at, you know, brands like Express, G3, like I mentioned, Ranger makes aluminum. Uh, you know, Avid Boats is out there. They're real popular right now. Uh, Vexus, you know, all these major name brand boats that are in the aluminum market now, if you have priced these boats over the last couple of years, the prices just kind of keep elevating on these things. So my point is there is that unless you are kind of one-dimensional where you're going to purchase these boats just to do, you know, fishing with your family or fishing just for you, then you may want to look at something that's a little bit more cost-efficient that you can do multiple things with. And that is the where a mud boat comes into play, guys. Uh, you know, like I said, you know, looking at the prices elevating, looking at the interest rates that are going up like they have been, all that type of stuff and us not making more money as the average Joe in the country nowadays, uh, you're not, like I mentioned, you're not earning more money just because inflation is skyrocketing right now. Most of us aren't, at least. If you are, God bless you. You're in a good situation. You have a good employer probably. But that's not the case that most people are in. Most of us are Monday through Friday employees. We work, you know, 8 to 4.30, 9 to 5, something like that, a typical job. And you have a family, you have other interests that the family are involved in, hobbies, uh, the kids are playing sports, the you know, daughter's in dance, that type of stuff. You have extracurricular activities other than just outdoors. So when you do look at purchasing a boat, your options are that you could either go used or you could go new. And if you do either one, you're looking for the most bang for your buck. Am I right on that? I would say that nine out of 10 people would tell me that I'm 100% correct on that. You know, and I'm that type of person, so I understand where that comes from, you know, where, where the consumer's coming from on that side. Even though it's my job to sell you the boat, I, I as a salesman in my dealership, have to find the correct boat that fits my customer's needs. I can't just try to push the most expensive boat on a customer because I'm going to make more money off of that boat and the dealership's going to make more money off of that boat. That is not doing you as the consumer any kind of justice and more than likely, nine out of 10 times, it's just going to run you out of the dealership and you're going to lose all respect for me because I'm just trying to push the most expensive thing on you. What The one thing that just aggravates the living hell out of me, and, and I'm kind of touching on the sales side of things, and, and but it has to do with you as the consumer because you're directly involved in that situation, is that oftentimes, how many times you walk into a car dealership or you walk into any kind of dealership that's trying to you know sell something and you're telling them what you want, but they're not really listening. You can kind of look at them and see that they're, it's like almost like a glaze over look. They kind of, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, well, let me show you this one, you know, and it's the most expensive thing on the floor. And you just told them that you're not looking to spend, you know, X amount of money or you have a budget of this, you know. And, and it just blows my mind that those type of salesmen just don't get it. And, and I'll tell you something, that being in sales – you know, for many, many years, those type of salespeople that you deal with when you go into a boat dealership or a car dealership or wherever it may be, those guys, I guarantee you, will not be there. If you do end up purchasing the product, they're not going to be there to take care of any issues that you have down the road. They're not going to be there to be able to provide you information that they may not have covered with you whenever you purchased the boat or vehicle or whatever it is. Because those guys are hit it and quit it type situations. And, and I'm laughing because you guys know why I'm laughing when I say hit it and quit it. But they're hit it and quit it as far as their careers go. So they're going to sell, 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 try to make as much money as they can. If they're not selling enough or they're not making the money or they just, quite honestly, just suck. You know, they, they, they're not selling because 
they're trying they're not listening to the consumer and they're trying to sell you everything else that you don't need then those guys are not going to be around when you go to a dealership and you make a purchase on a boat guys or a vehicle and you see a guy who's been there for a long time and you've seen that face multiple times there's a reason that guy has been there for that amount of time whether it's with one dealership or you've seen him in the industry still in the same industry, maybe with another dealership or wherever it may be, that guy has been around because he has respect from his customers. Uh, you know, maybe there is situations where it didn't work out at a particular dealership or he had an opportunity to take an advancement somewhere else and he may go to another dealership, but he's still in that same industry. But that guy that you continue to see through years of shopping and being around boats and being around vehicles, all that type of stuff, there's a reason those guys hang around because they have a reputation of providing to their customers what they want based off of their needs. Kind of get my point on that. Excuse me, guys. It was time for a, a, a sip. But, uh, you know, that's that's very important. That's a key sign to look for, you know. And that's not something that as a consumer I can tell you before I got into sales or or any of that stuff that I ever probably paid attention to myself. But that is a, a little hint right there. Kind of look for that type of stuff. Ask around from your buddies who are buying boats uh, that are looking to buy boats. You know, if you're looking to buy a boat and you have a buddy who bought a boat, ask around. Ask, you know, most people, word of mouth is very important. Um, and, and that is something that's a telltale sign whether or not you'll probably have a good experience if you're looking to make a purchase from somebody. But kind of getting off of the sales side of it and going back to, the styles of boat, like I talked about, finding something that's maybe multidimensional for your family. A mud boat is something that I mentioned I see trending now, guys. So what are the advantages of a mud boat? If you're an outdoorsman who enjoys everything, and I talk about, I'm talking about hunting, you know, like me, I'm a duck hunter, first and foremost. Come hunting season, I am duck hunting. One, you know, 100% of the time, I'm duck hunting typically once duck season opens. You guys know that. Those of you who follow us on the podcast, those of you who follow us on social media, you probably very much the same. Once hunting season starts, you dedicate it to that. But now, sitting in mid-February, all hunting seasons are pretty much wrapping up now. There's nothing that we could do until next season. Most of us are going to look for other outdoor activities because as outdoorsmen, we tend to kind of gravitate towards the outdoors. Just makes sense, right? So that means we're going to be fishing and we're going to be doing stuff like frogging. You may go crabbing, saltwater fishing, all that type of stuff, you know. And what are we looking for with an economy or what's a good fit with an economy that is kind of in a downward spiral? Prices are elevated. You know, is it beneficial to you as an outdoorsman in that situation to still own two boats, three boats, four boats, even five boats? in some situations like we talked about? Probably not. The answer is probably no on that, you know? Is it beneficial for you to buy one of those traditional fishing boats? Maybe so. If you do 90 to 95% of your time is fishing and you might do some occasional hunting every now and then, then chances are a mud boat setup is not going to be something that you're probably interested in. Because let's just face it. It, it doesn't have typically the speeds that you get, like we mentioned a while ago, out of a, out of a traditional fishing boat with outboard motor. Um, you know, it's typically not set up as comfortable, although nowadays these things are getting nicer and nicer. Uh, with the technology that's out there now, with the seating and all that type of stuff, hydroturf, uh, sea deck, all that type of stuff makes these boats much more appealing. And that's why, in my opinion, there is a bright future for the mud boat market nowadays. Because this stuff is becoming what a husband may have looked at a couple of years ago and said, man, I want that. But like I talked about when we, we started out the podcast, a wife or a girlfriend walked in and they were like, ah, it's just old green or old camouflage. Just looks like a job boat to them. You know, it's nothing that's appealing, eye appealing to them. It's nothing that's, you know, attractive to them. It doesn't look comfortable. None of that stuff. Well, now in 2023, that's not the case anymore, guys. You know, you have, like I talked about, all these advancements in the in the technology that goes into these mud boat setups now. Uh, now you're having an opportunity to go with 
you know, dual rig setups, or you can have 80 horsepower now on the back of a mud boat. Uh, so you're not necessarily put putting around if you want to use it for a fishing boat anymore, you know, in the off season when you're outside of hunting season. So it makes it much more appealing to a lot more consumers now. And that is why I see, and I believe I see a trend in mud motor sales starting to go up now, you know, it was crazy this past year, you know, as hard as it was to get stuff over the last couple of years, you could walk into a dealership and there might not be a boat on the floor when you walked into a dealership. So at that point, you were forced to either go ahead and order what you wanted or just kind of hold on to what you got in hopes that a dealer might have something come in that wasn't sold, which was really rare. Or you may have something that comes into a dealership that was ordered by another customer and that customer got tired of waiting. So they just decided to back out of the deal. And you had a boat that was available for you to purchase there on the spot. That was not the norm. You know, it was rare that that happened. But, you know, some of you did get lucky and stuff like that happened to you if you were walking in and trying to buy a boat. But, you know, like I mentioned is, you know, now you got these mud boats that are kind of holding their, their value in the market, their pricing in the market. They're not skyrocketing like some of these other fishing boats are they're not you know a hundred thousand dollars like a fiberglass bass boat may be or bay boat uh, so when a customer walks into the dealerships and they see okay price looks pretty good the wife or girlfriend you might be with them they might be with you and they look at it and they say well man that thing okay i like the price because but be honest with you everybody kind of starts at price unless you just have money and you price in an issue for you, which is not most people because even the people who have the money, and this is, I can tell you this from experience being in the industry for so long, is that even the people with the money, it's not, oh, just walk in, I'm going to buy it because I have the money. Sometimes that could be the pickiest customer that you deal with, you know? But most people can't just walk in and, and you know, pick out a $100,000 boat, you know? They just can't do it like we talked about. So the first thing that most consumers are going to look at when they walk in and they see that mud boat sitting on the floor is, okay, prices are pretty reasonable compared to some of the other stuff we see in out there. Uh, looking at it comes next as far as how comfortable does it look? Does it have the amenities on it that I need to be able to kind of do everything with? Uh, if it doesn't, which is okay, because a lot of times you'll find mud motor setups that aren't completely rigged out, you know, when you find them in dealerships, is it something that you could kind of customize? That's also another part, <clears throat> excuse me, of the market that a lot of people are intrigued by with mud boats is that they say, hey, I don't want one that's already kind of rigged out with a bunch of stuff on it because I have preferences on what I want to go on my mud boat. I want a certain type of electronics. I may want Lorenz over Hummingbird. I may want to add a trolling motor with a cricket release bracket so I could fish in, you know, the springtime and the summertime, but I want to be able to put a Minkota with a spot lock on it or a Lorenz Ghost on it because I want it to link up to my Lorenz electronics. Uh, but then when hunting season comes around, I don't want to have to be unbolting, unscrewing, and, and have holes in my decks and stuff like that. I want to be able to pull a pin, pull it off of a quick release bracket, and pull it off my boat and put my duck blind on. So there's a, a, a portion of the market who is very interested in that type of stuff as far as buying them bare bones and kind of customizing them to what they want. So a mud boater setup could be very attractive to two different, very different customer styles. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I mentioned, if you are in a situation right now where that's kind of what you're leaning toward, you're saying, hey, I have a budget right now to where I can spend you know, say $25,000. Let's just use that as an example because nowadays you could get an 1854, 1860 with a 40 horsepower surface drive on it for 25,000, you know, with textile license, you're still under 30,000. Uh, so, you know, you got consumers that look at that and they say, okay, well, that makes a lot more sense. This may be something that we could work with, you know? And they got the spouse on board because they got, you know, they might have a setup in a dealership that has 
you know, a trolling motor. It has some nice millennium seats that are very comfortable. Uh, has seed deck in it, Hydroturf, whatever brands in it. Uh, and it's something that the wife looks at or the girlfriend and says, okay, I could deal with this. This would be something that us and the family might have a couple of kids that they could come in. It's got an open floor plan to it. Uh, we got room to throw an ice chest in it. We could take it out saltwater fishing. We could come back inland. We could freshwater fish with it. Hell, if we throw, you know, some crab traps in the bottom of it, we go do some crawfishing maybe. Uh, you know, it's perfect for that. We don't mind. If it gets dirty, so what? You know, we can, it cleans up easily. So that is very attractive in comparison to a boat such as a traditional, you know, fishing boat with a tiller handle or a remote drive or even something that's in the higher price ranges like we talked about with fiberglass and that type of stuff, uh, pontoons, all that type of stuff that's in the market right now that's real popular. So it, it gets very interesting, guys, with looking at the future of the mud motor market. You know, people have talked about, that's a rumor that you've heard over the last, you know, probably a decade or so. How long is it before they outlaw mud motors, you know, mud motor setups because of this reason or that reason or whatever it may be? You've heard those those whispers out there. I can tell you right now, guys, that's not really going to happen. It's nothing that is realistically in, the, in any kind of future plans that I could see in the near future. Uh, there's just too much money to be made with all these companies coming into the market you look at the market now with the mud motor market guys, Gator Tail, Go Devil, uh, Mud Buddy, uh, Boss, which was came a new company that came out a couple of years ago, and I think they went out of business now. But you have companies that are coming up, Copperhead, you know, uh, there's a there's a bunch Pro Drive, there's a bunch of different companies out there now, guys, that are investing money, investing into research and development for future opportunities to expand the mud motor market. And I think, in my opinion, it's only going to continue to grow, that market. And a lot of money is invested in there. Uh, you know, now they've kind of studied, you know, over the years what the effects of the coastal marshes and stuff like that with mud motors being used in them and stuff like that. And they're finding out that there hasn't really been a ton of uh, – they can't prove that there's been a ton of damage done extensively related to mud motors as compared to outboards and every other thing, airboats, that type of stuff, you know? So that argument kind of is out the window now, you know, it really is. Uh, so I see this as being something that's here for the long haul guys. I think it's only going to get more popular. Uh, you know, if they could keep, I think their big place in the market right now is the price as compared to, other styles, other brands, uh, other areas in the boating industry. If they could figure out a way to keep the cost down and not, not you know, pimp these things out to where you have, you know, a $60,000 mud boat set up um, that's just not reasonable for most people. Uh, and, and, you know, everybody jumps on board and says, okay, well, X company is, man, they're they making this boat tricked out and they're getting $60,000 for it. But they only probably selling, you know, maybe five a year to a consumer, if that, you know. But they kind of see those, you know, those, those higher price tags and they say, okay, well, we could do that. Maybe we could do that and we could sell more than them if we change this up a little bit. Uh, but we still carry that higher price tag. It's almost a greed is what it is with a lot of these big national companies. And the mud motor market has done a really good job thus far, in my opinion, of kind of staying the average man, you know, market. And I guess a lot plays into that. The reverse of what we talked about or the advantages of going with that, you know, keeping prices down probably has been something that they had to do to be able to grow these companies. Because, like I mentioned, it wasn't always the first choice, a one-all, do-all boat for a consumer. It was something that was a second boat for a consumer. Um, they bought a mud boater or mud boat set up to hunt during duck season or deer season or, you know, hunting season in general. Um, so a guy didn't want to spend $50,000 on a mud boat set up whenever he's spending 
65, 70, $75,000 on his Skeeter Bass boat, you know? Um, just most people can't afford to have that, you know? So they've been forced to kind of keep prices down. But now, like we're talking about, with the market trending where all these other boats are doing this, these other markets in, inside, these sub-markets inside the, the major market, boating market, are kind of elevating and going up. Mud motors are kind of sitting there. All the mud boat companies are kind of sitting there at more affordable prices. And that is a major benefit for them, in my opinion, if they could continue to, to kind of trend and keep those prices down as compared to some of these other areas in the market. So you guys tell me your opinion on that. I'm interested to know if you think I'm wrong on that. If you think I'm right on that, comment, leave, drop a comment. Let us know. Hit us up on social media because we would love to kind of uh, to kind of hear what you guys think on that and uh, and just kind of get your, your opinion on it. Because, you know, like I said, even though I'm an insider, I'm in the boating industry and I see this stuff on a daily basis. At the end of the day, this is just my opinion. I'm not an expert on here do, doing a podcast as an expert. I'm here, a podcast, that's what a podcast is all about. It's opinions, you know? And, and that's just my opinion. That's kind of what I see in the industry. Um, and you may totally disagree. You may say, hey, yeah, I think they've made some advancements. A lot of people may may think that. They may say, hey, they've made a lot of advancements. Yeah, the prices are good. But, man, I'm not ever going to go strictly to a mud boat because it's not it's not fast enough or it's not – uh, what I need, I'd much rather hunt fish out of my big fishing boat, you know? And yes, that is definitely the case for some people. But in this particular topic that we're discussing tonight, it's for the average person walking in to, to try to find the best boat that fits them, that's still affordable, and they can kind of do everything with, with their family, if that makes sense. And you guys know what I'm kind of getting at there, you know? So, you know, it's it's a you know big portion of the mud motor market. I love talking about this topic and stuff because uh, there's so many different areas in the mud motor market that you could touch on and have discussions with. Everybody is brand loyal to certain brands, just like they are with trucks, just like they are with bass boats that I sell. And it's so funny that I hear guys, you know, cut down other companies and say, you know, this and that. Uh, about them and oh mine's better because of this and mine's better because of that and oh this and that to be honest with you i've sold <clears throat> many brands over the years of, of so many different boats in the industry guys all these companies keep up with the trends they keep up with the technology there's nobody in the market that is selling boats on a regular basis that that's got good sales numbers that is making shit product out there they're, they're just not you know because if they are, they're not going to stay around for very long. You know, there's companies through the years that you see come and go. And, you know, there's many different reasons you see them come and go. But a lot of times these companies that come and they, you know, they may have a, a great start because they got hype behind them and they advertising this and they advertising that. And then all of a sudden they're gone. You don't see nothing about them. And most of the time, it's either boils down to a bad financial decision that was made somewhere within the company or it was, you know, a bad financial decision that was possibly hand in hand with a bad innovation or a rush in engineering to bring something to the market before it was ready, you know? And a prime example, being in the boating industry, a prime example of that, and uh, you know, and I'm not bad-mouthing, trying to bad-mouth any particular brand or nothing like that. But guys, the elephant in the room when I talk about that is a pro to give you guys an example is Evinrude. Evinrude Motors was one of the legends in the industry, in the outboard industry for decades, for many, many decades they were. And then, you know, there's been rumors and, and everybody who's been around boats in the boating industry kind of knows that Evinrude, you know, went through a big financial crisis where uh, Bombardier Recreational, which owns Sea-Doo and owns, uh, you know, Can-Am in the, in the UTV and ATV snowmobile side, a, a, a great company, a great big, huge company came in and bought Evinrude. They bought the rights to Evinrude, uh, the name. That's what they really wanted. You know, and I remember when they bought them, I, I'm trying to think of the years, might have been the mid-2000s, early 2000s. Whenever the Evinrude E-Tech motor, if you guys remember that commercial, boy, that first E-Tech engine 
that came out for Evinrude when Bombardier bought them. It had that American flag pasted on the side of the Callan uh, on both sides, and they had an infomercial that Evinrude was running about how you had no scheduled maintenance for three or five years. It was something like that, three or five years. And, you know, everybody was like, oh, my God, there was people talking about that. Oh, my God, no maintenance. I don't have to change my all for three years, for five years. I don't have to change, you know, my lower unit all. I don't have to do this. Man, that's awesome, you know. But all the guys, you know, that, that was something that caught a lot of first-time boat owners and a lot of, uh, you know, guys that were getting into boating that was maybe purchasing an old boat and they wanted to repower their boat with a new outboard. That that infomercial absolutely worked wonders for Evinrude and Bombardier because they sold tons of outboard motors whenever they ran that when they first came out. Not to mention good marketing with the big American flag like I talked about on the motor, all that type of stuff. But what it was, guys, is anybody in the industry or, or anybody who's, you know, in outdoors as far as boating goes, would you – the question I always – when I sold – I sold Evinrude at one time along with Mercury and Yamaha – uh, for many, many years. But I always would tell even the customers that I was dealing with that I was, you know, maybe trying to sell an Evinrude to, when they would bring up that whole thing about no maintenance for five years, uh, I would tell them, okay, well, kind of laugh about it and say, look, would you not change your oil in your vehicle for five years? Would you not change the oil in your lawnmower for five years? You know, everything that's mechanical, especially high RPM output running, mechanics needs regular maintenance anybody knows that that deals with equipment you know and uh, they would kind of just sit back and look at me like oh my god yeah well man they tell why they say you don't have that it's marketing it's to sell you motors it's to get motors out on the water to gain a portion of the market share to compete against the mercury's and the yamahas and the suzuki's and all the other companies that are out there. So, you know, that's just a prime example, Evinrude, how they got off to a fast start. And then look at Evinrude now. Go try to buy an Evinrude in a dealership right now, guys. You can't. You know why you can't? Because they went bankrupt three years ago. They went bankrupt three years ago with the E-Tech when everybody else was going to four-stroke technology. Mercury was going four-stroke. Mercury made their, their name, hung their hat on two-stroke technology. They, were, they had the Mercury racing division that was you know, extremely popular with the guys who raced boats. Mercury was the muscle car company of outboards in the United States for many, many years. And even a company like them who was known for that, they produced the Optimaxes, the Pro Excesses, all those great engines that we loved. They eventually faded them out a couple of years ago and went all four stroke. They had to change, guys. They had to change with the times. The governments were pushing them to go more cleaner. They were, you don't think the government was paying these companies to, to go to all four stroke technology? Of course they were. They were getting paid, cut, you know, back in money to go cleaner, you know, and to go four stroke. So the Mercury's, the Yamaha's, the Suzuki's, the, the you know the Asian companies like Tahatsu, Honda, uh, Suzuki, all those were going four stroke now for years. Uh, Yamaha, you know, all those were going four stroke. So Mercury had to do it, and they knew they had to do it, and they were smart enough to recognize that it had to be done to continue the future and to keep the company going in the positive direction that it had been going for generations. And here comes Evinrude. Bombardier Recreational probably made a bad call on that situation when they decided not to go four-stroke. You know, early in Bombardier's, uh, you know, time when they got into outboards and stuff, I think it was when it was with Bombardier. I can't remember if it was them or when it was still Evinrude, but they had actually contracted uh, Yamaha and built some Evinrude four-stroke outboards that were really Yamaha technology with a Evinrude Callan on it. And some of you that are listening to this podcast may have owned one of those, you know? And then everybody knows the old Fick engine. If you if you know anything about boating and the, and the bass boat industry, the old Fick engine is what ultimately kind of uh kind of was the downfall of Evinrude whenever they 
were were still Evinrude before Bombardier had purchased them, and that motor was rushed, basically rushed to the market. Bad decisions were made. They were trying to get you know direct injection uh, technology to the market, something that was much more fuel efficient. They, they had the they had the concept right. They just didn't execute the game plan correctly, and ultimately it cost them their company. You know, so you know. Bombardier kind of was in the same situation when everybody started going four-stroke. They said, uh-uh, we ain't doing it. We're going to stick two-stroke. We're going to be that muscle car in the industry. We're going to have, you know, no scheduled maintenance, which by that time in the end was an absolute fucking joke. You know, everybody would kind of laugh at that unless you were a first-time boat owner, you know. Uh, and then it got to the point where it was so bad they were doing a 10-year warranty on all the Evinrude E-Techs at the end. Then they came out with the Generation 2, which was at the end of their, of their, uh, you know, uh, their, their business endeavor, I guess you could say, on the outboard side, which honestly was a better motor. And, and like I said, this is not to knock Evinrude whatsoever. I think Evinrude made a phenomenal pro product for many, many years. Uh, I think Bombardier had really good intentions when they bought it. Uh, you know, and they just kind of made some decisions that didn't iron out for them. But when they came out with the G2s the last couple of years, they were better, better. They had made some improvements over the original ETEX, but not going to four-stroke technology was something that killed them ultimately, guys. You know, it was. Now, there's rumors that they're that they're, they're trying to make a big comeback. That Evinrude name, I could not see it going away forever, guys. It's just too much of an icon in the industry. Uh, you know, but that's just a whole different side story. Um, using it as an example of what I was talking about as far as something that I hope the mud boat companies don't ultimately try to do, which is raise prices, raise prices, get these things so pimped out that they're not affordable for the average person anymore. Because if they do that, guys, that could be something that ultimately, like Evan Rude, what happened to them, something that absolutely crushes them. And I don't see anything really trending towards that to where I would say that, you know, I think that could, that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, I did see the other day for the first time there was a uh, there was a mud boat online that a dealership had posted. And it, it wasn't something that the mud boat company had done. It was something that the dealership had actually done. Excuse me. I had to take another sip, guys. But uh, it was it was a. Uh, I think it was an 18-foot, might have been 20, might have been a 20-foot mud boat hull uh, set up, and I'm talking this thing was fine. It was pimped out. Uh, it was right here in Louisiana is where it was. Uh, it was a, I think they had a Go Devil 40 on the back of it. I think it was a Go Devil hull, actually, an 1860 or maybe a 2060, something like that. And the dealership had decided to get it tricked out and set up, and I'm talking this thing was absolutely beautiful. But if I'm not mistaken, guys, I mean, it was $55,000, somewhere in that range, if I'm not mistaken. And I could be off on that. You guys could hit me up, correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I'm for some reason, that number's sticking in my mind. It was expensive. I know that. It was it was much more expensive than uh, going in and buying your average mud, mud motor setup. I could tell you that much. But, uh, you know, yeah, that's cool. It gets people talking. It gets a guy who has money to play with in the industry. He says, I want that son of a bitch. I want that boat because it looks badass and my friends are going to love it. You know, I'll be able to, you know, cut back, drink some beers. We'll have some fun on it. And, you know, we'll tell stories and talk about how badass my mud motor setup is, you know? And so that, that's cool. That, that's great. Or maybe some of you want to trick yours out that way. That's awesome. But I hope that the manufacturers don't say, okay, well, that guy's interested in that. Man, they hop on social media, they're looking at it, and they're saying, well, damn, this, this video blew up. It went viral. It's got guys saying how much they love this thing. Uh, you know, man, I'd buy that. You, you, you see a million comments on there. Oh, I, I'd buy that right now. You know, when in reality, nine out of ten of us can't afford that, you know, on a, on a mud boat setup, you know. And, uh, you know, or you can't afford it, but you're not going to buy a forty-five, $50,000 setup like that just to do whatever you want to do especially if you have another boat, you know? So I hope the companies don't see that type of stuff and say, well, man, we're going to start building them. We're going to kind of start building them and, and just kind of making them more expensive, making them more expensive. And then next thing you know, 
that's what we're shopping for. Mud, mud motor setups, mud boat setups that are $45,000, $50,000. We need to keep those prices down, make them affordable for the average working person. And I think that is where the future is in the market for those boats, boats in the industry. Uh, it's going to be something that's going to be, like I said, very attractive to the consumer because, yes, they are nicer than they used to be. And people are looking right now for best bang for the buck, especially in this economy that we're in right now. So what that means is something that they could buy that's affordable, that they could, you know, not blow their monthly budget for their family and, you know, be able to afford, but they could fish out of it. They could hunt out of it. They could go joyriding out of it. They could even pull a goddamn tube on the river if they want to do that with it. And you're starting to see more and more of that. How many of us go out on the river over the last you know, decade or so, and you're starting to see these mud, mud motor setups get a little bit bigger. Um, and you kind of people doing everything with them, you know? So it, it's, it's a good fit, man. It's a good fit guys for a lot of people. It's not something that's going to be a great fit for everybody. Some of us don't want to go 28 miles an hour, but you know what? A lot of us now are kind of looking at the price tags and saying, you know what? 28 or 28 miles an hour. Don't look so fucking bad, you know? Because I could afford it, and it's not going to break the bank, and I can still afford to take my family out to eat, you know, uh, or buy a dozen eggs, you know, <laughs> buy as high as eggs of God. That's the big joke now. Everybody's joking about, but yeah, that's just my point. You could afford it, you know. So I don't know, guys. That's a I'm, I'm I got a little I got a little bit of drink in me now, and I'm I'm kind of rambling off, but. I think it's something that's definitely a topic that we could all, you know, we've all probably discussed. Uh, whether or not you had the duck camp, the hunting camp, the fishing camp, whatever it is, maybe you have a setup now and, you know, a traditional boat and you're looking to thinking about, man, you know what? I might sell this thing and I might just get me one setup for everything that I could hunt with and I could fish with, you know, I could take the family out riding with, you know. Uh, or maybe you have multiple boats like we talked about. You know, you might have two boats and you say, man, I could kind of sell that fishing boat I got possibly, pocket some of that money, uh, you know, upgrade my mud motor setup I got, or maybe sell both my, my hunting boat, my tiller handle setup that I got, you know, and my fishing boat and maybe buy me one mud motor setup that I could hunt and fish with and possibly still pocket a little bit of money out of those that sell of those two boats. So there's a lot of opportunities right now when it comes to the boating industry. And there's a lot of opportunities in particular when it comes to the mud boat, mud boat industry right now. Uh, you know, there just is, I see a lot of guys also repowering, you know, repowering with mud motors, guys that were coming out of outboards because they were kind of limited on what they could do. You know, they might've, had an outboard, they might have had a tiller handle outboard that they used on a on a flat boat that they were fishing with, and they did some hunting. But now the terrain's changed. You know, us as hunters, we know that Salvania, Floton, uh, you know, Hyacinth, all this invasive species that's clogging up our waterways more and more. That our, all of our Department of Wildlife and Fishers are trying to combat now. You know. A tiller handle is not always the best fit for you to be able to do everything or, or or to maybe go fishing or do that type of stuff when you were using it for that. So now those guys are also looking into mud motor setups, you know, or, you know, uh, possibly repowering a flat boat with a mud motor. So you could be in that situation and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great opportunity <clears throat> for you to save quite a bit of money if you're looking to just repower maybe on a boat that you might have had a tiller handle on. So like I'm saying, guys, there's a lot of opportunities. Um, there's stuff out there that, you know, you could find on the used boat market. Don't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to look at, at brand new stuff, uh, especially if you're on a budget right now. Just be careful in the used market right now. If you're looking to buy a mud motor, uh, set up or any other boat for that matter, because there's a lot of guys that know how tough it was over the last couple of years to find inventory and in dealerships. Uh, and pretty much if it was available for sale, it was sold within a couple of hours. It is kind of not trending that way anymore. You know, don't be in a rush to grab it because you think it's going to be gone necessarily. Uh, you know, I would tell you that 
you know, if, if you're ready to make a buying decision, you have the money in place and you've done your research, then yes, pull the trigger on it. Because who knows what next pandemic may be that could cause us to go into that again and prices may only elevate again. So I tell people the prices don't typically go down, they continue to go up. So if you're in the position to make that call to, to purchase what you need to purchase, then go ahead and pull the trigger. Don't hesitate on that if you financially set up for it and you, and, and you feel comfortable with it. Pull the trigger on it. Uh, but if you are, you know, not, you know, you don't have a ton of money, you're on a small budget, look for something pre-owned possibly, um, you know, especially person to person. Everybody hates person to person sales a lot of times, but look at that dealerships like our dealership. That's also a great option. People think that dealerships just market way up to make a ton of money off of it. That's not the case, guys. When you financing stuff, if you're going to finance a new motor setup, and it's something that's relatively new. Dealers have to go by book value, current book value on what these boat setups are because it protects the consumer against any kind of price gouging from a dealership. And the great thing about buying it from a dealership is that if it's a good you know, dealership that has good integrity, has a, a, you know, is well known for their honesty, then they have ran it through their shop. They have trained mechanics that have looked at the equipment and it is good for you to go and hit the water almost immediately when you pick it up. Uh, so you know in the back of your mind you've had somebody actually take a look at it and uh, and it's good to go. You know, you can't make it 100% guaranteed when you're buying, buying pre-owned, but uh, at least if you buy from a dealership, you do know that, uh, that it's been gone through and it's been looked at. If you're buying person to person, take somebody with you. You always hear that. Take somebody with you. Uh, whether it's a mechanic or you know somebody that has a lot of experience with boats, take them with you. Go to that person's house, meet them at the lake, go run it. If it doesn't sound right, guys, don't get caught up in the moment of I'm excited to buy it. Make your mind up before you get there and look at it. Make a good decision because too many people get burnt. I see it all the time, and I promise you, you'll be better off in the long run, guys. So I don't know. Y'all tell me your thoughts, guys. I'd love to hear your feedback on this. We are now right at an hour, so we are going to go ahead and uh, and end it here tonight, guys. But thank y'all so much for tuning in to another episode, guys. This is actually episode one of season six. So we are kicking off. It's a new year. We are kicking off this as episode one of season six. I, it is damn near hard to believe that we are now in season six of, uh, of our podcast, guys. And we owe you guys everything that listen to us and follow us on social media. Uh, we are so blessed to have so many great people that we've met over the last couple of years since we started doing this. And just out there in general as outdoorsmen, you have heard me talk about that time and time again. The outdoor industry, outdoorsmen are some of the greatest people that you'll ever meet. Uh, most integrity, most honest people. For the most part, I'm talking in general. Um, you know, we all have our horror stories that you hear. But, guys, my point is we couldn't have done it without y'all. You are what drives us to keep this going, and we love discussing stuff like this with you guys and uh, and having just good old discussions about the outdoors, man, because we love it. You love it. We all love to talk about it. We all love to know what's going on out there and get the latest information, and we hope that we've done just a little bit uh, of, a, of a small portion of our part to be able to bring you content and opinions that we have on stuff that at least gets everybody kind of talking, guys. So thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you for being a part of episode one of season six. And guys, don't forget to check us out on social media, all the major platforms, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, you know, TikTok. That's the one I keep forgetting all the time, TikTok. Jackson has done a good bit on social media this year to help us grow. We're growing, guys, on YouTube. We're still – we're close. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. We've been working hard on YouTube this past year. So if you haven't checked this out right here on YouTube, which you may be watching this podcast streaming on YouTube, click that subscribe button. We would really appreciate it. Give us a thumbs up and share it with your friends, guys. We appreciate it. And don't forget to check out our great companies that we partner with, guys. SRD20, which you see right here, makes phenomenal boat care products. We This episode was talking about boats. Guys, I'm telling you right now, SRD20 is a company right here in Louisiana that makes phenomenal boat care products. Whether you have fiberglass boats, you have aluminum boats, uh, you, or you, you just want to 
keep your vehicle in tip-top shape. Uh, I even do my ice chest, all my ice chests, my high-dollar ice chests, like my Yetis, my Cabela's coolers, all that type of stuff. I treat all that stuff. Anything that I want protected, I treat it with SRD20 boat care products. And, guys, I don't just promote them because, you know, they're they're paying or something like that because they're not. I've used them because I truly came across their product and thought it was the best out there and started telling people about it, guys. So go check them out. They support the podcast. They contacted us. They wanted to be a part of our, our gig here at Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. So go check them out. Uh, our other companies like Blind Grass, Jay Thomas over at Blind Grass, you know, oh, right here, another Louisiana product right here in Louisiana, guys. There's nobody making a better boat blind and concealment product right now than Jay has a Blind Grass. And I mean that 100%. Go check them out, guys. Blind Grass Camouflage Systems. My buddy Blake Benoit, Benoit Performance Boats, um, and many, many others, guys, that we work with. You see them advertised on our channel. If we are advertising them, it's because we believe in the products and we use the products. And uh, and they they treat us like family, guys. So we appreciate it. Go check them out. Help support them. And also, if you enjoy everything that we're doing, guys, you can help support us. Go to our Instagram page and our Facebook bios. You could go to our merch shop. We have all kind of new designs that me and Jackson have been working on for this year, guys. Like the T-shirt I'm wearing tonight, the old school decoy with the Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors right there on the bottom, guys. I got this shipped in to me today. Jackson just got him a Public Land Warrior hoodie. Um, you can check those out. Like I said, we have tons of new apparel that we have up on the merch shop. You can go to those links in our bios on Instagram and Facebook. It's my spread shop. It's under. And then you also look for our stuff daily. We post stuff that links to the merch shop. Uh, we run promotions where it's free shipping sometimes. We different different types, 20% off, 30% off. Uh, different promotions going on in the merch shop. You can check that out. Go pick you up some gear. We have everything for men, women's, children's, from hoodies to T-shirts, short sleeve, long sleeve. We have headwear, caps. Got my blind grass cap on tonight. But uh, we have caps in the merch shop with Last Stop Waterfowl designs on them. We have cups, man, if you like me. I also got my blind grass cup tonight. You guys can see it right there, blind grass, uh, that I got from Jay over at Blind Grass. But uh, we have our cups with our different designs on them that you can go mix you a hotty toddy, mix you a drink, a beverage of your choice, and support the channel, show your love for the outdoors, show your love for us. We appreciate it, guys. Well, that's all I got tonight, guys. I thank y'all once again for tuning in. And until next time, this is Jacob with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast signing off. Y'all have a good evening, guys. This episode is also brought to you by Benoit Performance Baits. Bait and tackle for all your fishing needs. Benoit Performance Baits offer some of the best soft plastics for bass, sackalay, and saltwater fishing. Whether it's a day on the water trying to catch a mess of fish for a family fish fry or a heavy bag to win a tournament, we have what you need and what the fish want. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok to place your order now. Tired of looking for that perfect hunting or fishing boat only to see that it's out of stock at your nearest dealer? Well, welcome to Game Changer Boats. We specialize in custom aluminum hunting and fishing boats. If you can dream it, Game Changer Boats can build it. Top quality craftsmanship and attention to detail is what we guarantee our customers. And we are proudly built right here in Louisiana. You can visit us on Facebook at Game Changer Boats or email us directly at GameChangerBoats at Yahoo.com. Contact Game Changer Boats and let's see what we can build for you.